Well, praise God. Welcome home, folks. Welcome visitors. Glad to see everybody today. Um, today, I will be ministering. Um, Pastor's resting his throat. He's um, been fighting uh, acute bronchitis, so giving him his um, throat some resting time. Um, so, hopefully, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what I wanted to preach about, and it's um, kind of difficult, and so I said, okay, Lord, what do I want to talk about? And the best thing is, just talk about your experience, amen? Because if you're going through it, somebody else is going through it as well. Um, so today, for today's sermon, I would like to talk to you about resilient faith. Um, when we're in, in service, when we listen to people, uh, preachers preach, we always hear about people talking about the great people of the Bible, how great their faith were, how they stood, and how they stood with God, no matter what circumstances came, no matter what trial they were facing, that they kept their faith in God. And um, my, my problem with it is, how did they do that? As I... How were they able to hold on to God and hold him fast no matter what they were going through? Because sometimes I feel like I want to give up. As a Lord, this trial, I really don't want to deal with it anymore. Or Lord, just just be done with this part and let me just move on. Um, or just or you getting attacked by the enemies or being attacked by other people. Or you just feel like... Okay, I, something needs to break. I'm standing and believing, and or either you're believing for finance, or you're believing for healing, or you're believing for something to break through in your family, and it just seems so hard. And you feel that storm is just keeps going on and on and on, and you're like, why hasn't this ended yet? So how did these um, great people of the Bible manage to withstand, and how is their faith so resilient when trouble comes? So before I answer these questions. Um, basically, how did it get to the point where we start losing our faith or where we feel like our faith is waning? Um, and so what it is is when we became new Christians, we have that ex excitement. We, we were like a sponge. We absorb everything in about God. Oh, I want to know more about God. What does he say about me? What does he say that I am uh, who I am in Christ? What does he say that what I can do? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what, what does he say about all these things? He says, read my word daily. He, he says, uh, renew your mind on a daily basis. And you, you just, just the Bible you just couldn't get enough of. But so you're kind of like in that soil where the third, the, I believe it's the third soil where um, it's on the rocky ground and you, you, you sprout up because you hear the word, you get excited, but then trouble comes and you kind of shrivel up a little bit. Um, but so how do we get to that fourth soil, the good soil, where we are prospering, where we are um, making a difference, where we're bearing fruit in God? And so the thing is when we get, we start living our life, we start letting, allowing trouble life of this world, this worry of this world, um, busyness of life, creep in into our um, time of prayer with God and time of meditation with God, and then we kind of push him down the list, and we kind of put all the other things, I, I got to get to work, I got family to take care of, I have troubles I got to deal with, and then we kind of forget God, we kind of put him aside, so he's kind of sitting there waiting for us, and then, and then we're like, I can't handle this anymore. It's like, what happened? Where's my faith? Um, what am I lacking that these people of the Bible were able to hold on to their faith? And so um, I found out that we need to have, we need to go back 
to a childlike faith we used to have. And in order to keep our childlike faith is to continue to read the Bible and continue because God says, um, hearing the word of, um, it's like, um, the, sorry, I have it in here. I say, um, we, we hear the word of God and the word, uh, they say, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And that means it's on a daily basis. We have to hear God's word. Sometimes we, we have this child attitude of um, rebellion. I don't want to do it. And it's like, I'm dealing with this. I really don't want to do it. Don't, don't, raise your hand if you, you do the same thing. Sometimes when you rebel, you're just like, you know, I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, just have an attitude about it, you know. But... God said, get into my word. But when you get into his word and you start worshiping him and you start reading the word, your spirit gets excited and you, you feel renewed and say, oh, thank goodness I came. Like, like when you, come, you don't come to church, you're like, I don't feel like going to church today. My flesh is just fighting me. I just want to stay home in bed. But then when you get to church, you say, I'm so grateful I came. Yeah. You're just pushing through that flesh and, and just going because you know you need that spiritual feeding. Um, so what is the anchor that hold all these great men and uh, men and ladies of the bible to hang on to god no matter what type of troubles and i'll go through some of the examples of the uh, people of the bible because they really held on for a very long time not just a short amount of time but a pretty long time and so what hold them together was love they knew god loved them and because and then for us um God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever believes will be, uh, believe will have eternal life. And then not just that, is that when we believe in him, so that we may have life and life abundantly. And so because God first loved us, all he asks is that we love him. And so we want to love him with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our mind. And because of those two, he loves us first, we love him. As our children love us and we love our children, if you had a child, the first moment they were born, you felt immediately in love with that child. That child hasn't done anything, but when that child grows up and starts doing things that you wish they didn't do, you still love them, don't you? So in the same concept, God loves us no matter what, all we do is come back, come crying, and say, Lord, I need you. You know, and he, he will be there. He'll pick you up. And say, no matter how bad you've done or how good you are, he will love you the same. So, so that's what's the anchor. That's what the, um, the love is. That's what holds the people to God. And so it's like, I feel like my faith is waning. I feel like um, I can't do it anymore. Uh, I'm done. But that's where it is, is that God says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He, he said, come to me who are, who are weary, uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that scripture is great, is because when we feel that way, we come to him. Leave your burden to him. But the, but the most important part is when you walk away, you don't carry it back with you. You just leave it with him and take his yoke, take his burden, because it's lighter than ours. And so... And that's what the, the Bible of the people of the Bible, that's what they did. They came crying to God when they were in trouble. They came to him and needing help. They, they went to him because they knew he was their father. They knew he's their savior and, and his, their, the, the vindicator that helps them through the trials and tribulations that they were going through. So um, now first we want to talk, what we're talking about resilient faith. Why I chose the word resilient um, is because is, I mean, the definition of resilient means 
one who is able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. So our faith is, is like um, a rubber band type thing. It's not a stiff board. It, it takes bending. It's because we're being molded. We're like the um, clay in the potter's hand. We're constantly being molded. So when we are flexible, God can mold us. And, and, and when we're stiff, it's harder for us to stand on our faith is because we're not allowing God to move within us in that aspect. Um, whoever here watched uh, Tree Master? I love that show. He is so energetic. He's so excited. Um, there was this one, he was building a, a house in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you're thinking, why a tree house in Tulsa, Oklahoma? They, they tend to have hurricane. And, but this family wanted a tree house in their backyard. And he's like, okay. I have a condition that I know that the hurricane can come, and if I build this house, I have to make sure that it is flexible so when the wind, strong wind comes, that it won't blow the tree house away. So what he did is he built the tree house where he put an anchor where the tree can bend back and forth. So when the wind and the hurricane come, when the tree gets blown back and forth, it will just move back and forth and leaving the house intact. And so in the same way, when we deal with the trials of this life, our faith will be bent back and forth, but our anchor is in God, that he will be the one helping us to go through and maneuver through all the troubles that we're dealing with. And then when we come out, I love this quote from Robert H. Schuler. He says, tough time never lasts, but tough people do. And so when we go through this life, you don't know what you are made of until you do go through the trials, until you do go through the experience, but know that a tough time won't last. Know that you will last, but the tough time won't, and that's where we just need to hold on and stand with God until that time passes. So, I would like to go through about six parts um, in how can we have resilient faith in God and how we can be secure and be strong in him so that when we do come through trials and tribulations that we can stand and stand strong. Um, so the first part is keeping your focus on Christ. As the first and foremost important thing is that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Um, our resilient faith means looking past our troubles and putting our mind on Christ. Um, so in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, in New King James Version, verses 1 and 3, it says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance that, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What does it mean? It means Jesus is our author and our finisher. He has died on the cross for our suffering, as like we were taking communion. He, took out, he bore our sicknesses. He carried our pain. He took all of our sin and everything on that cross and, and redeemed us. He, he put the bridge back together where we can fellowship with God one-on-one, -on -one, and now we are washed in the blood of Jesus. So that's the thing that we need to remember. He did it all already for us so that we can have life and life more abundantly. That means if we keep that eye on him, 
him on that part, no matter what situation we're going through, he is our uh, finisher. He's the one that dictates how our life will be, and that not somebody else on the, uh, in the secular world that's trying to dictate who you're going to be. Is he is the one. Um, example of a story that um, I, I like, it was during Moses' time when they were in the wilderness. Uh, uh, the, the Israelites, they tend to go back and forth in their faith. Uh, they are a perfect example of people who um, gone through so many troubles and so many uh, greatness in their lives. In generations after generations, you hear that they uh, tend to get conquered or by other um, kingdom, or they tend to, and then they, they get to the point where they were able to go over them and be masters, but then there's always some kind of sin coming in, and then they end up falling, and um, other kingdoms come in, taking over, t making them become slaves, uh, making them become um, uh, under their kingdom and everything, and so they are perfect example of resilient faith, that they believe in God, even though, see, so we're human. So we're gonna, we will make mistakes, we will get to the point where we're like, I don't wanna have that faith anymore, I'm just gonna go the way of the, the, I think the grass is greener on the other side. And then you go over there and you say, oh, no it isn't, let me go back. So that's what they were going back and forth about with the Israelites. So um, the Israelites during in the wilderness, they were complaining and they were sinning against God. And then um, because of their sin, they were being bitten by snakes and dying. And um, they say, oh gosh, we got to go back to God. And they, and they cried out to God and say, Lord, help us. We, uh, deliver us from these um, death. And so God told Moses to uh, build a, a golden head of a snake on a staff. And he said, whoever looks at that, when they are bit, they will be healed. So they kept their eyes on that uh, snake head to, in order to get healed. So in the same concept, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus so that we continue to be healed, so that we continue to be um, delivered from what we need to work on, and we also can get, keep our eyes on him so we can have directions as well. Um, and then the second part of to keeping our, having resilient faith is trusting the Lord in all circumstances. Um, as believers, we are resilient because we never stop trusting God even when things don't go our way. And sometimes as a, as a person who likes to rebel, we're kind of like, I don't want to trust him. Cause just, I just want this over. But the, but the thing is, there will be a time where we'll be weeping during the night, but joy will come during the day. And then we just, there, God allows us to break down. God allows us to come to him and cry and let him know about our troubles. That's the purpose of why he's there. He's just not going to say, you need to obey me. You need to do what I told you in the Bible. You need to do this. You need to do that. Don't you cry. You, you're, you're too old for that. Don't you cry. And you know, sometimes you hear parents tell their kids, don't you cry. You're too old for that. God doesn't say that. He said, you're my children. Come here. Let me hug you. Let me, let me uh, calm you down and let me just rub your back. Tell me all your troubles. And then he will correct you, right? <laughs> then he say, okay, now you know you've done this wrong, but you can get better. You know, and that's what, what he is. He loves us. And, and remember we say the anchor of our faith is love. He loves us so much. He said, come, tell me your problem, and then I'll help you in, in what you need to do next. 
So I love this because David, King David, is a perfect example. In the book of Psalms, you hear him going to God, crying out to him, God, I got enemies all over me. I got King Saul trying to kill me. I got people trying to kill me. Um, and, and he went through a lot of troubles in his life, but he always cried out to God. He always went to God. He went to him because he trusts the Lord. He's like, Lord, deliver me. But nevertheless, I trust in you. Like here's in Psalm 31, verse 23 and 24. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays, repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you hope in the Lord. So as a be of good courage, he will strengthen our heart when we're going through things. And in Proverbs 3, 5, uh, Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So trust the Lord. We may not understand what's going on, but he does. And, and what we do is we take what we go through and learn from it and say, what can I get out of this? What can I learn from this? Because the thing is, that testimony that what you're going through will be a testimony for, testimony for God and the glory of God. And then you're not, not only that, you'll be helping other people who is going through the same issue. And then in Psalm 62, verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So he wants us to trust him and to come. Um, who here has a person they trust that if they tell them your, your, if you tell them your personable secret, that you know they're not going to say anything? You know, they're not going to blab it out and gossip and all these things. So God is the same way. You can go to him with your intimate secret. You can go to him and talk to him personally, and he will listen to you. And, and it helps because you're pouring it out. You're not just playing it in your mind over and over and over, but you're actually speaking it to God. And then when you're speaking, you realize, oh, that wasn't too bad. I was like, what am I complaining about? It's because we, we run things and we get exaggerating things in our mind, but when we speak to somebody, it helps us to relieve that pressure, relieves that, that stress, and for us to be able to hear ourselves, and it helps as well. And then um, the one greatest thing is here, um, I like to talk about is Joshua and Caleb. Um, when, uh, did you know Joshua and Caleb, out of all the original uh, Hebrews that were uh, slaves to the Egyptians, were the only two that were able to go into the promised land? And um, so before they did, God told Joshua this in Joshua 1.9. Have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that is the key, that when we trust God, and, and we walk with him, we keep Jesus um, in front of us, we have to remember this, when we go through things, God is with us. We're not alone. Sometimes we feel alone. I mean, sometimes you feel like, no, I don't know anybody going through this, but I feel alone, I need somebody. But remember, God is with us. And like Joshua and Caleb, they were the two out of the 12 spies believe they can conquer Canaan because God said go to Canaan and um, conquer it because I promised you milk and honey, land of milk and, hun milk and honey, a land of promises for your blessing, for your, uh, your, your generation. But they came back and all the 10 spies 
we're like, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can do this. And Joshua and Caleb's trying to tell the people, yes, we can. God is with us. God says we can do this, and he promised us that land. And see, they were taking God's word at what he said to them. He, they trusted him, but they had a different spirit compared to the other ten. And the other ten said, no, 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 we can't do this. And because those ten spies um, convincing the whole family and the whole generation, they were like, kill Joshua and Caleb. They don't know what they're doing. We're not going to that, la that land. We're not going to do it. And Joshua and Caleb cried out to God and they tore their clothes off and said, this is not right. Because of Joshua and Caleb, they were pressured. They, their trials was, okay, everybody's going against them. They are standing for the truth. They're standing and believing and knowing what God has told them to do. But then everybody comes against them and say, no. They're basically, they're telling them to conform to what they want to do. And not to, not to speak forth that we can conquer that land. Um, but they stood their ground. And they stayed and they, they said, no, God said we can do this. And they didn't allow um, even death to uh, persuade them to not have faith in God. And because of that, they were promised that they will make it to the promised land. And that's what held them. And look, they were in the wilderness because of other people's sin. They stayed in the wilderness for 40 years because God said, because of your unbelief and because of what you're doing, you're going to, because you, it's going to take you 40 years to get out of the promised land, uh, to get out of the wilderness. But all the one who didn't believe would not make it. And so they were the only two that made it to the promised land because they stood on their faith. They trusted God no matter what it looked like. And so that's one thing that we need to do is we always trust God. He has it in hand. He will have it. And we, we will see his promise in, in 40, 40 years, guys. I don't know if I can handle 40 years. But they lived a long life. I think Joshua lived to 110. And so um, they said that he took uh, Jericho when he was 100, uh, 101. I was like, can you imagine your entire life almost in the wilderness, 40 years in wilderness, and then taking the promise? But hey, he was excited. He, he got to the promised land. He didn't, he didn't grumble, and he didn't say, 40 years in this wilderness? I got to live through all this for 40 years? No, they had a good heart. They kept serving the Lord. They kept doing what's right, and they just kept following God and trusting in him, and they saw the promised land. Praise God on that. Amen. Right, okay, the third part to, um, that helps us to have resilient faith is rejoicing in the Lord, being thankful in the Lord at all time. It is important that we give glory to God at all time. We praise, rejoice, and give thanks to God for being with us and helping us through the storm of life. We need to have an attitude of gratefulness that God has it in hand, and what the devil meant for harm, God will turn it around for good. And King David is that great example, again, is that he always go to God. He always went to him, and no matter what, even when he's done wrong, he went to God, repented, and got right with him. And because it's like, remember, even if you do wrong, you can trust God. He will get it right for you. Um, so in James 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, I like to read you this uh, hymn uh, of faith. Um, this one right here, it says this in Habakkuk, 
verse 17 to 18, it says this, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I really like that hymn. It's like, no matter, even if you lost everything, who in the Bible do you know that lost everything and still rejoice? Job. Job lost his, his, his children, his wealth, he lost everything. And even he was dealing with a sickness in his body. And his wife is telling him, just curse God and die. But he refused to do that. And then he had people telling him, you must have done something wrong to have this curse come upon you. But he kept on believing in God, he kept trusting God, he kept thanking God. Until finally he came to a realization, God is great. And God has it. And then he got, and then Job was able to be restored. He had a new family. He had his wealth come back to him. And he was restored in the sight of man and in the, in the sight of God. And people say, God must have been with him. And that was his testimony. So no matter what happened, God was with him. And then, of course, and then the fourth part is being content and humble before the Lord. And that's where was Joshua and Caleb. They were content. They, they stayed with the Lord and they kept serving him, and no matter uh, how long it was going to take them to get to the promised land. And so it's not our, in our own strength that we overcome. We overcome because we allow God to work in our lives by obeying, taking constructive criticism, learning from our mistakes, and giving glory to God at all time. Um, Paul was talking about in Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13, he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how abound, to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul's a great example. He, was, he came from a wealthy family. And then he, uh, when he found Christ and believed in him, he followed him. So he's, he's been to places where he's been poor, he's been wealthy, he's been through. But at the same time, he continued to stay content. He continues to stay humble in the sight of God. And then in James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And then with a humble heart, we can learn and be molded like clay in the potter's hand. And Joseph is a great example. I was rereading re uh, the story of Joseph. And I had to remember, okay, movie is different from the Bible. I, I, I had to make sure I can separate those two because I'm thinking Joseph's crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? And I was like, I don't remember him saying that in the Bible. So I had to go back in here and look and say, okay, let's reread Joseph and read what happened to him. He was a man after God's own heart as well. He stayed with God, believed in God, but he got what had happened to him. He got sold by his brothers and you would think your brothers are the one that loves you the most, that's going to carry you through this life. He got sold in slavery. And then he got framed uh, 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 touching Potiphar's wife and got thrown into prison again. And then from there, it was about 13 years before he finally was free from slavery. But in the Bible, it didn't say anything about him grumbling and griping or anything. It said God was with him. And God gave him favor wherever he went. Whatever he did, God gave him a, a prosperous hand. You can say he had the golden touch. Um, so 
he stayed humbled. He stayed with God. He, he continued to serve God no matter what situation he was in. And, and he was able to prosper the people around him. And, and God gave him favor with everyone. The masters um, Potiphar's house gave him favor with the, the, I guess, the warden in the jail during that time in there. And then having favor with uh, the Israel pharaoh, the pharaoh, Egypt, I mean Egypt pharaohs, and so and he became the second greatest in command. And But he continued to stay humble and continued to serve the Lord in that aspect. So we want to be like Joseph in that we want to serve the Lord and, and stay humble and be content until God delivers us out of our troubles. And then the fifth part is praying in all circumstances. In Exodus 14, 14, it says, The Lord will fight you, fight for you. You need only to be still. Remember, our fight is not flesh and blood. It's through the, in the spiritual realm, the devil is attacking, and he's working through people. And when you've done all, just stand. And thank God that he is fighting your battle for you. He will vindicate you. And that no matter what you do, you don't even have to prove yourself. You know, if somebody's talking bad about you, they, they haven't um, walked in your foot. They haven't or walked into your shoes. And, then they, and so the thing is, just let God do your battle. Especially if they're talking bad about you and they don't know who, what they're gossiping about you. It doesn't matter. God knows the truth. And your close friends know the truth. And that's really all that matters. And so, here's a great scripture for praying. Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So, and then this one, here's another one. Psalm 50, 15. And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And that's the thing is, can we, during our trials, during our tribulations, during our struggles, can we still honor God? Or are we going to say, uh, forget you, God. I, I, I don't want to honor you anymore. And then start talking negative about him to other people. No, we need to stay humble. We need to still honor God during our trials. Not only during positive time, but we need to be able to do that and say, God, I give you the glory. Uh, I know you didn't put sicknesses on me. I know you're a good God, and I know by Jesus' stripes I am healed. I'm standing on that scripture, and Lord, I'm crying out to you. Help me in my trouble. Stand still and continue to honor God. Amen? And then, um, for example, Gideon. Um, during the time of Gideon time, they were oppressed by the Midianites, and they were taking their food. They were destroying their crops, and no matter what the, uh, the Israelites were doing, they were, their stuff were being stolen by the Midianites and other people uh, around them as well. And for seven years, they were oppressed by the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East. And so what they would, uh, so Gideon was found where he was hiding and trying to make some bread for himself, and and, and can you imagine hiding, trying to make some bread so, and hoping that the Midianites won't find out and steal your food from you? And so he was found that way, and the angel came to him to tell him, you're going to be delivering the people out of um, the Midianites' hand. And Gideon's like, my family line is the lowest of the low. How can I be, be the one who's going to deliver the people? And um, the angel, Gideon, had to have proof. And so he, he put it out and asked God to show me. And God showed him. 
giving him patience and showing him um, that I am God, I am with you, do what I ask you to do and you will be able to do it and you will have victory. And he became the greatest guy, a, a, a judge, and got the people out uh, of the Midianites' oppression. So, and the uh, six, so bouncing back after trials and keep moving on. Um, two quotes that I'd like to let you know is this, you, uh, by Bob Marley, he says, you never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. Have you ever heard of somebody, this is what I get all the time, when you have a special need child, I don't know how you can do it. If I had one, I, there's no way I could handle that. And I was like, if, it, if you had one, you will be able to handle it. And I was like, I don't know how you do it. You're, 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 one of your relatives have cancer, and I, I would be bawling, I would be crying. I, I don't think I can handle that. I, don't, I, I would give up on life if, if that happens to me. And I was like, you don't know that. You do not know that. And then you hear this also, the statements, God only gives you what you can handle. I really don't believe in that scripture. Uh, um, it, I don't think it's a scripture. I looked up and said, is this really a scripture? It's like God only gives you what you can handle. But I looked in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 14. It talks about uh, temptations. Not what you can handle, it's the temptations. Whatever temptation comes, God will deliver you from. And that means what you, what the, if, if, if you're a, oh, well, I'm, since I'm a female, uh, and I see a mighty handsome man, nice buff and everything, and I'm married, what's my temptation? Looking over there, right? And I have to revert my eye. So he gives us a way out of temptation. To me, temptation is talking about things that keep us away from sin keeping us away from things that would cause us to go away from God. And so it's not about what you can handle. It's, uh, what it is is the devil comes in and tries to attack us physically, financially, um, troubles with our family and everything. He's the one who's trying to see, where is your faith? Do you really have resilient faith? Because I'm going to see if you do have it. And that's why God is telling us to read the Bible daily. That's why he's telling us, stay with me. Abide in my word, and I will abide in you. Wherever you go, I go with you. And so, um, and that's what I think is what it is, is that whatever is given to us, in the site, because we live in a fallen world, in whatever circumstances we go through, we can handle it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Is because God is with us. That's why we can handle it. We, we don't want to. <laughs> well, there's things we do not want to go through, but we happen to go through it, and we just got to remember that's going to be a testimony. It, devil, you, you're going to be sorry that you attacked me because I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this to deliver other people out of this trouble. And that's what you need to do and have him regret coming after you. Amen? So in 2 Corinthians 4 to 8, the reason why you can bounce back is this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then Job 17.9 says, Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. Another quote that I like, it says this by um, David Rossi. He says, Scars remind us where we've been. They don't have to dictate where we're going. We're going to go through things in life. We're going to go through struggles. There, there's going to be things that's going to leave us scars, uh, pain of things that we go through. But remember, Jesus has delivered us from all these things. 
and we continue to move on. We just need to bounce back up. If we've fallen off the horse, get back up and keep moving on and moving on with God because he will heal us in that area. The scars lets us know what we've been through. But just like Jesus, he still has his scars of when he was pierced on the cross to remind us what he has done for us. And so do you see him being held back? Do you see Jesus saying, oh, I died on the cross. People put me on the cross. Lord, what do I do? Woe to me. No. He's like, I'm going to go down. I'm going to release the people. And people are going to be healed. People's going to be set free. People's going to be saved and got, get back to God. And now who's, who's crying now? The devil. That was, oh, why did we do this? Right? So that's what we want to do, and that's what it is. So in conclusion, so let us be resilient overcomer in our faith. Be the person who can withstand and bounce back from difficult conditions. Because God has not forsaken us or forgotten us, we must never give up on God. For God said he would never leave us or forsake us. Our strength comes from the Lord, and we look at the trials as a way to grow in Christ. We will be able to use them for the testimony of God's goodness and mercy. What the devil means for harm, God will turn around for good. So having resilient faith means knowing that we can accomplish great things for God or overcome trials because God is with us. Don't give up because he hasn't given up on us. Amen? All right, so, so people may look at us and wonder how we can serve God joyfully after all the trials we've been through, but we want to continue to honor him and we'll let people know because we are set apart. We are part of this world, but not of this world, and we do it differently, and then your testimony is what will bring them to God and say, I want that. As I don't want to walk this life alone. I want a God that will help me through this life. And because what, what it is, is your trials, your tribulation that you're going through, is, is just temporary. This life is temporary. You're building an eternal reward up in heaven.